0: chapter 48 you are now listening to the chapter of the architect with dj architect what's going on my peoples and the place to be once again this is your homeboy dj architect i want to welcome you guys to another chapter of the architect listen we are on chapter 48 for your monkey ass. How you like that one? <laughs> Listen, here in the studio with me, I have a returning guest and a first-time guest. Returning, we have Officer M. Officer M, how you doing, brother? Excellent. And we have this gentleman here. It goes by the name of R.C. R.C., how you doing?
1: Outstanding.
0: Listen, the reason why we got Mr. R.C. in the studio this Sunday afternoon is number one, I got a lot of respect for this guy. He's a hard charger. His character is very high in nature, not to say that Officer Ems is not. Uh, But we were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago, and he was telling me about this trip he took to the Grand Canyon. And it was extremely interesting on some of the things that he was telling me about this trip. Um, And then he was telling me about how he goes running on all these marathons and I thought it'd be interesting to bring him in and just uh, you know, ask him some questions and pick his brain, and you know, just so you guys can find out what type of person he is, Mister RC. What's going on, man? How's your weekend going so far?
1: Oh, the week is going outstanding. The weather's been perfect.
0: Hey, what do you think? What do you think about this? Uh, the last week with all this rain.
1: Hey, we definitely needed it. I enjoyed it. Things are greening up. Looks good. And it's good for the crops.
0: We we tend to work out in the field a lot. And I believe it was Thursday was the heaviest rain, right? I believe yeah, it so, came yeah. Hard. And uh, I remember uh, at the end of work, I was, you know, when you walk and your shoes are full of water, and then when your feet hits the ground, you hear <laughs> the water's inside your shoe. So I, I got in my car with, with, with my uniform, equipment, everything, and just drove home. And as I'm coming into the house, I'm taking my clothes off, and I'm going straight to the laundry room, tossing everything into the wash and back into the dryer because I knew it wasn't gonna dry the very next morning, and it probably was gonna rain, in which it did. So I was like, uh uh-uh, I gotta get this, uh, I gotta get this, this uniform dry. Uh, but yeah, this last week, we've, it's been raining pretty hard, but we do need the rain weather.
1: You know what it is, brother. Every time I see that rain, it's an instant reminder. Thank God I'm retired
0: shit, what'd you think of those fires that happened not too long ago?
1: All oh, that's scary stuff, man. There, there's there's, no way to respond to that one. I mean, the loss of life and the people who lives in their house. You look around, like, even look at your studio, and things you got, just imagine you lose all this in flames. And the things that takes years to accumulate. To accumulate. It's, it's just sadden.
0: You know, the the thing about it is the majority of the equipment, you know, it'll be covered through insurance, but <clears throat> I'd be more trying to rush around and conserve things that you can't buy back, like, you know, photographs or, you know, wedding DVDs or, you know, shit like that. Right. I don't know if you guys do, but I, I keep uh, an emergency bag, you know, like if shit hits the fan, I've got canned beans, a flint, extra ammunition. Both of my weapons are, are readily accessible, you know, to go. And, uh, you know, the only thing I'm, I'm lacking is, is fresh water but canned foods, blankets, first aid kits, I got that shit prepped. Are you guys, do you guys have like a scram bag ready just in case of an emergency?
2: Yeah, I, I do, but my property luckily is located on a, a kind of a barren hilltop with good fire breaks all around it. So I have defensible um, positions, so I'm not, I'd really be hesitant to leave it because I think it'd be, you know, that'd put us more in jeopardy just being out there running around like those people in paradise yeah man the fire started roaring across the town a lot of them died in their cars because they didn't have that plan they get in the car and then it's just pitch black with smoke right so they just sat in their car and cooked because they couldn't man. see how you going to drive if you can't see it. and it's yeah. pitch black with smoke so just horrible it's, a plan either way you know, you got to have something. If you're in a residential neighborhood with neighbors butted up against you five feet away from your house, you know, when the firestorm hits, everybody's house is going to go. Right. So it just depends on your situation.
0: I agree, man. To have a plan not to just get in the car, but where are you going to go? You know, the news on the radio is only going to keep you up to date. Uh for, for so long, or, or should I say the the amount of information that's coming out, it comes out in small increments. So you could actually be headed to where the fire is, is actually making a turn to and not know it, and then receive that information 15, 20 minutes later, and it's too late. You're already surrounded by the flames, which is fucking scary. Did you guys hear about the individual that stayed? He stayed, I, I don't know if it was in that paradise area. But he stayed there, and he apparently his mother was ill. She was an elderly uh, lady, so she really couldn't be moved. She could, but she just didn't want to move, I I guess. So he ended up staying there with his son, I believe, and he just, with a regular two garden hoses, just sprayed the, the surrounding area of his property, sprayed down the house, and luckily, by, by you know, God's will, his, his home didn't burn, but his neighbor's house sh- sure as hell got destroyed, you know?
1: I did hear about that. Part of it was, uh, yeah, his staying and adding the water, but it also was uh, to his favor a wind shift at the last minute that took the fire away. He, uh, that had
0: to be a huge factor. Yeah. yeah I, I, if anything, that was probably the most determining factor because, look, man— as much as you think that a, a garden hose is going to protect your house, there's it that water is only going to reach so much of an area, right? Right. So those embers are going to hit w- one particular spot, and it's just going to bounce around. And look, man, it's a thin garden hose. Who really is it? Really going to you know create that type of defense where your home's not going to catch on fire? Who knows? I, I hardly, I doubt it. I don't know.
1: Well, I I agree with uh, Officer M here that the. Uh I'm prepared to stay at home, but I'm also knowledgeable enough that you know if I need to leave, I do have a go bag like you're talking about to leave. Mm. And we also have a pre-designated meeting point that we don't need to discuss if I'm not with anybody <laughs> from my family. Right? They already know where I'm gonna go and where they're gonna go, and we're gonna meet at that location if we have to vacate. the Yeah, department. it's Officer M's house. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely right. We can switch each other.
0: Hey, yeah, yeah, now RC, right. I remember having a conversation with you, and you're you're a very alert individual you were telling us one day that you have this this communication that that you have with your children and your family and when you're out and about it's it's sort of like an alert level right yeah yeah you're
1: absolutely can, right.
0: can you please go into depth with that
1: when you're talking about the color code you're talking yeah, about the pace plan the we color code
0: the color code there's Where a
1: pace plan and there's a color well code ex- the,
0: explain yeah. both
1: well, the PACE plan, I mean, these are things that I've adopted from the military and just put with my family. A PACE plan is is when you lose contact, which sometimes it's intentional. Let's just say like a, an Be, adventure park.
0: Well, before before we, we even go into the details, why are these things that you created, why did you put them in place? What are they for?
1: Oh, it's to keep them safe. And if we lose contact and we already have a plan ahead of time, you know, it's the, uh, you just prior preparation is the key to making sure their family stays safe having that knowledge in their head instead of when the the crisis should it arise they already know in their head what to do it's just an automatic response it's like they say in law enforcement all the time if something bad happens you don't rise to meet the occasion you sink to your level, level of train. training correct and yeah. if you've never trained your kids what to do in an emergency situation they're just going to panic and not know what to do even though it's just as crazy a situation for them as everybody else they have a plan they know what to fall back onto they know what to do if you've never talked with them never discussed with them and they have no plan then it's just sheer panic
0: okay can you uh, can you go into details regarding these these systems that you've put into place with your family.
1: Well, let's start with the pace. I think that's the easiest. Now, pace is more of a communications plan. So, I, I've used it, for instance, like we've gone to either hiking, and we're out in a camping area, and they want to separate, and they want to go to a different area and camp. They want to go on their own hike. So, the ways we get into contact, we have a communication plan, and the P being your primary. I'm sorry, your primary, your alternate, right? Your contingency and emergency. So the primary plan will be, hey, if you get lost or something, just call me on your cell phone. We all know, but when we're out in the wilderness, cell phones don't always work. You lose signal. It doesn't work, right? So I also send them out with a two-ray radio. So the two-ray radio is your alternate plan. So if you can't get a homie on a cell phone, then you give your two-way radio shot. And two-way radio communication is actually quite good. The, uh, they can go upwards of 25 miles an hour been on i mean 25 miles radius in, yeah radius depending right. on you know the system that you buy now, that's your alternate
0: would you would you have them keep the radio off at all times to conserve battery life? No, they're pretty good on, on the battery Are they? life, yeah. And okay. the fact
1: they're going, they're not going to go for days. And they're, they're, I'll make sure they have a spare set of batteries. They'll Smart. have the batteries in, and they'll have Smart. a spare set of batteries in their pocket. But, right. but they're good, and they also have weather channels, and you can have GPS locators in them and things of that nature. So they have their radio on. I have a way to locate them if, say, they can't talk for some reason. Right. So that's the alternate. That's, that's, so it's P-A-C-E, right? So then the you have your primary. Then you have your alternate. Then you have your contingency. Contingency could be nothing more than a whistle. I mean, if you get so far away and you're lost, you can't get Then you just blow on that whistle. You just three short blasts. That's the, that's the international signal for emergency. It's just three short blasts on a whistle and just repeat it and repeat it and repeat it. It's kind of an international distress signal. Yeah,
0: you're like not right. going to run out of wind. You're not going to run out right. of Right.
1: And if you got two of them going, the final one for the emergency is like, hey, one person's down. Let's say they injured an egg or, or a leg or they're severely injured, then... Run, run back to your, I mean, that's your manager, send, send your second person, mark that location, and just run back to my location. That's the emergency situation, that's your last one, so we can do a face-to-face, and then we can go out there and do it. So you have multiple levels of staying in communication, except something goes wrong.
0: Okay, now tell us about uh, this alert. A mental alertness that you have and you told your, your children. And uh, I think one time you're like, you, you're, your children caught you off guard. And you're like, yeah, hey, you what's going yeah, on? That's your that's your that's lapses. True. So explain that to us.
1: Yeah, I mean, this has been well known in the law enforcement world and the military. And it started from uh, many years ago. But is, you have color-coded system for levels of alertness. You got your white and you have your um, yellow, orange. And it goes into black, right? And in, in the, oh, I'm sorry, white, orange, red, and black, as that's, that's where they are. So the white is the first one. Your level at white is you're pretty much oblivious. You have no idea what's going on. So a person who's in condition of white would be a person that's, uh, walking around and not aware of their surroundings whatsoever all right that's condition white a good example of a of a, a kid in condition white would say walking through a uh, not a well-lit area maybe kind of a seedy type area of in town and they got headphones on or they got their head down texting or they're not aware of their surroundings whatsoever and they just wander into a bad end. yeah
0: it's like uh going to uh to a hood anywhere in the united states and asking uh, the corner hoodlum what time it is or hey wait wait hey. exactly hey, uh, or just wondering, you got, you, you, got uh, you got change for a dollar <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah or use this as a good example even like because now it's getting close to Christmas time you're walking through the parking lot of a mall right you got your head down you're texting you got your headphones on you got your Dre beach you're not paying attention and you walk right through the middle of a group of gangbangers who just nothing <laughs> better but to steal your packages right, that right, you got in right. your hand right that's white that's being oblivious to your situation when just as easy if you're aware instead of putting yourself in that situation all you had to do was walk around all you gotta do is notice you look up there and say well that's a better i'm not going that way i'm going the other way and there really is a lot of truth to that just avoid the doggone area instead of being you know a, a victim walking into the trap you know being aware of your surroundings
0: i came into contact with that way back in new york just by growing up in the hood and uh i, I don't know if any of you guys are could could relate but you know, growing up in the hood, there were designated areas where you had to avoid on the way, you know, walking to school on the way back. And so we were disciplined to be on alert because you didn't want to get your your triple fat goose jacket stolen or get beat down with a pipe. You know, so I definitely and I totally understand what, what you're talking about. Regarding the color code, The the color designates a specific mental state of alertness, correct? Right.
1: Yeah, and then let's make sure we got clear because I can get a little bit convoluted on the colors, but it goes, you got your uh, white, yellow, orange, red, and black. Those are the colors that you go off, the white, yellow, orange, red, and black. And there's a specific level of alertness for each one of these. And the white, is, as we just talked about, is not being aware at all. Yellow is nothing more than constantly being aware of your surroundings. And most officers should operate in yellow. And you can teach your kids to operate in yellow as well. Um, Yellow is just, you're looking around, you're aware, you're aware of what's going on. And I take it a step further for my kids, so when they see, they put it in their vision. It's not just me telling them to recognize these colors. They see the world in in a yellow tint. And when you put this imaginary tint on your eyes and you're looking around, you see the, you take in everything. You see, hey, it might be a potential danger on my left side or my right side, or I'm gonna go straight. So you're just aware of your surroundings, right? And, And you're alert. If you see something that looks dangerous the uh and then you can bump it up to an orange now i have a specific alert in orange right now when i see the specific alert in orange let's just keep with our same example so we've got a group of uh um let for lack of better word will just call them gangbangers in the parking lot of a mm-hmm. mall so first you're in condition orange or, or yellow you're aware of your surroundings then you see this pack of would-be hoodlums and you say there's a specific alert. So you say, I recognize this as a potential threat. So as a private person, I'm just going to go around. I'm not working as an officer in this mode. I see that as a specific threat. Let's avoid it. Let's go around. That's that's how you are in level you know, orange when you recognize this, right? Mm. Now, if it bumps up to the next level, let's say you try to go around, but all of a sudden... They spotted you. They
0: detected you. Now they're going to confront you. Right?
1: Yeah. Now you got to bump up to your next color that you see is conditioned orange, and say, "All right, well, what am I going to do in orange?" Well, now not only is that I see the threat—you know—they're—they're coming directly at me. Now I have this specific threat where they're coming at me, so I need to take some action.
0: Confrontation is about to happen.
1: Exactly. So, and if I'm talking about a kid, uh, you know, again, I'm not talking about officers here. I'm talking about a kid. They sees that, and you're in a mall. You start yelling. You start notifying people around here. You get your voice. You take off running. You avoid the situation. I don't care, but you alert people and you let them know. You don't just... Because we always talk about flight or fight, right? But everybody always forgets there's the third one. There's fight or freeze and kids who have not been taught anything and I have a real world example to tell you about this but the kids that haven't been taught they'll freeze in place because they don't know what to do it happens to adults as well but that's a third thing that people never talk about so say you got a group of gangbangers now approaching you and you're a young kid and you start panicking because you don't know what to do you freeze you think it'd be an unnatural reaction that you just automatically run but I can give you a real world example where that didn't happen. And they just froze in place. I'll save that story for when we finish the color codes. But so when you tell them when you get there, run. Run, do what you got to do, all right? Now, red is, is the next color. We bump it up again. So orange, you decide, I'm out of here. I'm going to do it again. We're talking about my kids. Red is they need to do something. Let's say they weren't able to avoid. They weren't able to uh, avoid the incident. Then you got to fight, brother. Then you got to do things like you never thought about before. You got to think about... Gouging eyes out, kicking people in the you know, in the in the private areas, and whatever you got to do, but you are going to fight. You're just not going to become a victim. You're going to find an object. You're going to throw. You're going to holler. This is your red for an officer. This is when lethal force is authorized. This is when your option is to go to that. For kids, you're just going to fight back. You're not going to be that person just lies and hides down underneath the desk waiting to be shot. You're going to fight back. That's where the red is. Right. We want to avoid. The final one is black final one is like if you've had no plan whatsoever it's easy to go from white to black black is total panic you have no idea what to do you just stand in there and you're just kind of dumbfounded you're sitting in condition black and i've seen this experience first and this condition black when we did swat team entries you throw in a flashbang on people and we're telling them to get down get down get down and they're just standing there stuck in place it's not like they do not wish to comply they are so frozen in place, they have no idea to do it. They're just standing there. They've gone straight from, it's a one-way ticket from white to black if you have no training whatsoever. Boom, instant white to black. And let me give you this story because this ties into all these condition codes where I think would have saved this girl, at least in my opinion. Um, I'll throw the name out there because it happened in a local area. The girl's name was Amber Dubois, right? And, and she, was, she was killed, Right, But we know the story of how she was killed because her killer was later interviewed and he told the entire story on an interview. And so the reason I know this details is because listening to this interview with the person who killed her, right? She was a young girl walking to high school. Yeah, she's walking down the street, a car pulls up alongside the area where she's at, rolls down the window, window and tells her to get inside the car. All right, So we can freeze it right there. A stranger driving down the street sees a high school girl walking down the street he slows down his car he rolls down his window and tells her to get in the car somebody that she doesn't know right her her first reaction is are you kidding me his response to her no I'm not effing kidding brandish a knife that's all he had held up a knife and she panicked she froze in place she didn't know what to do she hit that fight flight or freeze she froze in place and she got into the car Right. If somebody would have talked to her at some point along the line, hey, if this situation like this, all that girl had to do was run. Run. All that girl, but she. You think it's easy for you and I to sit here and say that's an easy decision because we not. have a, a different mentality.
0: Exactly. exactly. Even if we weren't, in, even if we were in the middle of it, we wouldn't have reacted that way because we're men of a different mindset. We're alphas. We want to get in the shit. We want to fight. We want to be in a situation where the wolf is uh, trying to attack the sheep We're the sheep dog. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason why you're listening to Mr. R.C. come out with these tactical this information is he does have extensive years of law enforcement and uh, the information that he's given out right now to me, if this information helps out anybody, any parent to pass this knowledge on to their kid, even the things that he does with his own children. So you can instill that or pass that information. Maybe that could save your kid. With this Amber Dubois, unfortunately, she paid the price. She was murdered because she froze. So I just wanted to give a little bit of the background of RC coming out with this information. I don't want you guys to be like, what the the hell is this guy, black belt? No, he's had extensive experience in law enforcement. And the man knows what the hell he's talking about. I, I know it firsthand. But yes, she froze. You and I, or Officer M, we wouldn't freeze because we're cut from a different cloth. We're we're both, all three of us are prior military. We've been in the shit. We probably get our rocks off throwing punches uh, but she was not of the same mentality.
1: Well, your your point is well taken. One of my favorite uh, motivational speakers and, and authors is Lieutenant Colonel Grossman. And i I got to give him the credit because it's his line and it's true. He's like, when when you or I had heard about the instance, let's say let's, uh, a shooting at the mall or a or, or theater shooting, what we think about amongst us and amongst our cohorts, the first thing that pops in our head is like, Man, I wish I was there. I could have made a difference. I would have done this. I would have done that. That's the warrior mindset. Not everybody has that mindset. There's civilians who don't have the training. You know what their first thought is? Thank God I wasn't there. Thank God it wasn't me. Thank God I wasn't there. When people in our profession, their first thing they think about is, Man, I wish I was there. Not because you want to be in the middle of the mix, but you know you could have done something to prevented this from getting any worse, from going any further. Like the ridiculousness of the, of the movie theater shooting back in Colorado. It's one man with a weapon. If you got one guy who gets up and convinces the rest of the theater to just charge this guy straight on, everybody revolt. Now you're getting into his whole UDO loop. I know I'm throwing acronyms out, but you're getting into his system, right? And it changes his thought. A guy with a weapon shooting at people running away is easy. 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 But if you got convinced 100 people to charge Russian. this guy. Bum rush You've changed his entire game plan. But see, you don't necessarily think of something like that. This is training. This is something that you do. This is pre-planned. So you did not have to go to that level. If you just talk to your kids and just do the what is, have a plan. What if we're driving down? I did. That's what I do with my kids all the time. What if we're driving, Okay. What if things go bad right now? What would you do? Bang. What, what what would happen right here? If, if we walk in the store, and there's an armed robbery going right now. What would you do? And and with my family, I'm not advocating intervening at all. We're just getting the heck out of dodge. We're finding an exit plan. We're getting out of dodge. we not. The only time you're going to use any type of deadly force being an armed CCW. That thing is
0: absolutely. You have last no resort. option. Yeah, yeah. Last resort. We're right. getting. We're getting out.
1: Right. We're getting absolutely. Out. But the thing is, at least have that plan to get out. If you have zero plan, then you're stuck and you're stuck Then you're not doing anything.
0: I agree. Officer M. Do you, uh, have you raised your children to have that particular mindset?
2: Oh, definitely. Just with the experience of being in the military and being in law enforcement, that phrase, the, you don't rise to the occasion. You fall to the level of your training is applicable to so many other things. Just your basic citizen out there. <clears throat> if you're going to have a flat tire, you can every time you drive your car, you can break down. If you break down in the wrong neighborhood, do you have a plan? You know, these simple things I taught it to my wife, you know, we are not pulling over here. I don't care what happens to the car, I'll drive on the rims. Run if on the rim to, exactly. Because you you're not in the right situation to fix the problem. Get to a position and then fix the situation. It's similar to martial arts or any other endeavor. But that that phrase that R.C. repeats quite often, and I'm glad he does, it has sunk in. And I always operated that way, just with, you know, we're all similar. We all enlisted in the Marine Corps. We, you know, were trained, even if we didn't, even if we weren't conscious of it, we were trained to do that. What is, what is immediate obedience to orders? That is just... <laughs> A reaction to a problem, so you are trained to immediately react. And then, if you take it to a higher level, you're you're trained to plan that it's going to happen. Problems are gonna happen. Emergencies are gonna happen, and you're never surprised after a while. So, interesting stories. We would take our kids wherever city, New York City. We'd go on vacation, San Francisco, places with densely populated areas. You have aggressive panhandlers. You have other people who might be predatory. And as a police officer, you can see when people are, are scoping you out or casing or looking for opportunities. And I would point that out to our children and my wife. As young as seven, eight, nine years old, mm. I would tell them what the reality is. Human beings are predatory in nature. They have to kill to eat. Mm. And I'm not saying literally kill, but you have to take something in order to eat. So, just making them aware that not everybody out here is got your best interest in mind and you need to be aware and then beyond that, have a plan. And don't be afraid cuz I I recently was told by my daughter an incident happened. She was 9 years old. We used to take him to the bookstore. I'd go around looking at books. My wife would be in there reading the, the books in the children's section with the kids. And then they were always within, you know, vision of my wife. So I didn't have to worry about it. I thought, you know, we're in Barnes & Noble. We're in an affluent neighborhood. We don't have as much predatory pressure. Yeah, you're
0: in a public area. Right. Yeah. So I get this
2: story later from my daughter that when she was around 9 or 10 years old, some older gentleman 55 60 years old i say gentleman he was literally a piece of human excrement but Uh, 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 my daughter was looking for a book on the very next shelf over from where my wife was sitting there reading to my seven-year-old son and this guy walks up while my daughter's bent down searching for a book he pulls his loosely fitting shorts to the side and exposes his genitalia to her from approximately three feet away. Wow. And she looks up, and because she had been trained, immediately runs back to her mom, doesn't stay there, but she felt somehow, and some children do, that she was going to take some blame for this, or the situation was so horrible that somehow she was going to get in trouble for this. So she never told us. She never told us that this guy had just walked up and exposed herself, but she did have the sense to run back and go to her mom and basically stay, you know, shelter in place. Right. I never heard about it until she was 18 years old. She let us know, hey, this happened one day. And I was just thinking, gosh, you know, what could have happened if she wasn't, you know, at least alert enough to know, you know what? You do have the right to run. And maybe you're not going to be effective in fighting an adult when you're a little kid, but you, you're not wrong for taking some action. That's what the whole freeze thing is with right. with people who are younger, especially children. I always told my kids, "You have the right to fight, and you are expected to fight. You know, defend yourself or flee the area. Just because somebody's an adult." And I know everybody talks about Your kids don't respect their adults And your elders and all that I never told them that Because being exposed in law enforcement You come across all kinds of adults Who don't have their shit together Agreed. They're pieces of crap Agreed. So what what is it being an adult rate? You know I, And it's hard too Because it turns you cynical Like I look at people in public now And I want to be all friendly and make as many friends on this planet as I can I, before I die, but I see I humans don't. now.
0: I don't. And it's like,
2: <laughs> you know what? Who knows what these pieces of shit are doing? They're- yeah, man.
0: I've got nephews who were raised in New York, but were not raised in my, where my brother and I grew up, different locations. My brother had the opportunity to you know, him and his wife, they, they moved out. Uh, well, our parents moved us out after many years, they moved us out of the hood. So my brother raised his kids in a very good neighborhood. So they weren't exposed what a hood is. And one day my brother takes his kids, you know, they're like teenagers now, takes the kids to where we, we grew up, the house. And, uh, the younger, the younger son says, uh, what are we doing here? This is the ghetto. Get us out of here. <laughs> so it's funny that they can
2: even be aware that, hey, right. this is the ghetto. Because right. humans do have that sense about them. They'll yeah. know. They'll have, they'll they'll go they have a, a sense those of, conditions. Of,
0: of, of danger. Yeah. Right. Like, hey, and, this is not my element. Like this is not RFC my environment. And like I was
2: saying, if you, you can be aware of that, use that awareness and then use your training. So you get a little hinky feeling, pay attention to it. I agree. And then have a plan. Don't you agree? Ignore it because you want to be either virtue signaling or saying, oh, I'm comfortable around all sorts of people. I'm not going to do that.
0: But because of that, my brother has a huge responsibility to teach his kids. Hey, man, look, I grew up in an element where alertness would save your fucking ass, right? On a daily basis. So just because you guys grew up in in this different environment, if I don't... Passed on whatever knowledge I have from my experience in life, I'm not doing you any justice. I have to pass on something. Just because you haven't or you didn't grow up in that environment, man, doesn't mean that a, you're going to be blind to the fact. No, man, mother. there's sharks out there in the world that will eat you, and you have to be ready to fight.
2: Well, like RC was saying earlier with the color codes, it makes it very specific. So you're going into these levels. And he was saying earlier when you're in red you just fight you just go um it sounded similar to black but if you haven't been trained specifically to see these levels and these different colors like if you don't train for what is red what do i do in red you won't be able to defend yourself or apply violence in a clear way you will be almost in black You'll be in a panic state which most humans will go into if i tell you hey take a nightstick and bash this guy as hard as you can just the act of swinging a stick at another human being is enough to set a lot of people into panic mode it's if violent. they haven't trained
0: it's violent
2: Absolutely. so they have to train for each level if they're in orange but they can't stay in orange with a clear head because They're already jacked up through adrenaline and they're putting themselves in red when they don't need to be in red. Now we're just, you know, we're basically detailing all of these horrible cop stories where excessive force comes in because it wasn't proper training. You know, they didn't train for the day that some guy was going to get in their face and just shout at them and they see that as, oh, it's condition
1: red. No, we're not there yet. See, this is where I'm on board with all you guys on this. But when we sit here and talk, we're all preaching to the choir. We know these things. you know these, these are the life lessons you got to pass along to your kids. I mean, you understand it. We all understand, especially in this room right here, we all understand these things. But... It's a shame on me if I don't take the th- lessons that I learned in the military and pass it down to my kids and I just keep it to myself because right. I'm not always no, going to be there for them. Right. They need to know these things. And it could be simple, it doesn't have to be extremely, but just the simple level knowing what to be alert. A gatwa plan is what I told them. That's another military term, but I've thieved I've stolen so many things from the military concept of preparation and put it into different terms for my kids. A gatwa was this if she's going to go out on a date at night, is where am I going? others I'm taking with me, time how long I'm gonna be gone, what are you I'm gonna do if I don't get back at a certain time what action I'm gonna take if she doesn't get back at a certain time. But we have these scenes established ahead of time. Hey I'm gonna go out with Johnny, right? I'm gonna be gone till ten o'clock at night. You know, and if I don't, you don't hear from me at 10 o'clock at night, like I haven't asked you, Dad, for an extension, something went wrong. You need to right? try to contact me. So, what her. am I going to do? Well, I'm going to go to, she said, if something goes bad, I'm going to be at X location. So, you come find me at this location because I will make my way there. But see, all this is pre planning. These are not my ideas, these are acronyms I stole from the military and have reapplied them to civilian life and taught my kids A- adapted these Adapted
0: them to your family. Absolutely. One thing that you were telling me about is you go on marathons. marathons.
1: I have right. done, I've have done some in the past. Yeah, I prefer what? and I, I've uh, ran some with uh, uh, Officer M. Officer man. M. Yeah, we, we do some trail runs together, and it's, it's very enjoyable, man. Now we're switching gears a little bit because this is more of a uh, is is a lighter topic for me. Yeah. It's just something I really enjoy.
0: Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna segue off of it, but before we do segue, is there anything else that you guys would like to add onto yeah. that before we segue? <clears throat>
1: trail
2: running, the awareness you get when you're using your physical body and you're out running on a trail, enjoying the environment. It all comes back to awareness, being aware of your surroundings. It, it's all the same thing. It's practice for living life. Meditation is key. If you meditate, which means practice being aware, it doesn't mean focusing on the future or the past. It means focusing on right now. What would you do right now? What are you, what are you doing? Well, when you're trail running, you're breathing, you're going one step after another. So it's a practice, basically. There's, all these things are so interrelated. The self-defense aspect, the physical fitness aspects, they,
1: it never stops. So awareness in general is key. Yeah, the only thing I would say for me to segue a little bit into the run is to me, the, even though even if I, I run with a, a partner here, it's definitely a solo journey for me. It's an experience that I enjoy. Even if I got somebody next to me, I live my own world in that. But to segue from our earlier one is like... So many veterans out there have been taught all of these things in the military. It's a shame to me if you keep that information inside of you, when you can share that with your family and say, hey, this is what you don't have to teach them to be killers. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about this is how you plan. This is how you prepare. This is how you be ready for this. And just keep that thought. Take the training that you know you've learned and adapt it to your own family and let them benefit from your knowledge that you spent the time you spent in your military service.
0: You're absolutely right. Look, this running, although it is a, a segue to something different, in reality, it's really not because it's all mental and not just running. And the reason why I'm saying running in particular is because, you know, both you guys are in good shape, man. You know, RC, fuck, man, you're probably 15 years older than I and you're, you're in better shape than I am. Same thing with you. You're not too much older than than me, Officer M, but uh, you guys keep yourselves in good cardiovascular shape. And running, it's really good for mental health. I tend to go swimming and I love it, man. I'll go swimming for an hour straight and I love it. And there's days where I go medium, there's days where I go super hard. And uh, when I'm driving up to my driveway and I'm stepping out of my car, man, I feel exhausted, but I feel great. I feel like I'm breathing in, and my lungs are taking full deep breaths of air, and I'm like, I feel fucking great right
1: now. Yeah, you, you've touched on one of the main reasons. Like, all the things we talked about earlier, it's just, this is the escape. This is how you get rid of all that nonsense. This is how you clear your mind. This is how you start feeling better. And I've always taken the approach that uh, being able to run or even like you're swimming, training and being able to physically work that's a privilege that can be taken away you from you at any time when i say be taken away you could lose your health right you could get into bad health you could have heart we all know people who've gone into serious medical conditions where they're not able to physically exercise that's why i have a hard time comprehending somebody who has no physical ailments whatsoever but it doesn't want to do any type of physical activity any kind of physical training I, there's no understanding i just I can't put myself in that mindset because training and working out hard, that's a privilege. That's a privilege that's been given to you that can be taken away. So when I go out there and run, I'm always like, gosh, thank you that I could go out here and I can run I can experience it. Even though I'm sucking wind and it's a little bit painful, like you said, the after effects are fantastic. But just the simple fact that you're capable of doing that without any major health issues, thank God, that's a blessing, man.
0: You know, it, it all comes down to, to the mental it's all mental, man, because it's always going to hurt. It's always going to hurt, whether it's a short run or a long run or a a sprint. It's always going to hurt. I think it comes down to.
1: Well, look at this, especially in, in our world. How many people you can probably think of the top of your head? I know I can't. They would trade places with you in a second because they can't physically do it because they're missing a limb or because they have some kind of crazy health problem that put some bed written they would switch places with you in a second said you're not gonna take advantage of that privilege to go out and train physically have my spot in my bed and i'll trade with you in a second and i'll go suck it up on that five mile run
0: let me ask you something rc what these marathons that that you have run and that you're probably training and running here in the near future what right now what's how many miles have you done what's the maximum amount of miles
1: the furthest I've done is, is a 30-miler, and I'm getting ready to train for that again. But my, my expectations are further than that. Because once you hit those marks, then you want to go further. You want to keep challenging yourself. It's just the uh, – it's an eternal challenge. I mean, when, when the uh, – this is a saying that I've always learned, and, and I really like It's like, when the memory of winning trophies has faded – it's the victory of your inner demons that remain alive. The true challenge within and the rewards are personal and private. I don't do this for any kind of glory or any kind of medal or anything like that. It's just my own challenge and the victories from within. Knowing I beat the inner demons that were telling me to quit and I refused. It's my own personal victories.
0: You got into exactly where I was uh, driving uh, this topic and why I say it's all mental is you know, a thirty-mile marathon is a lot—a lot of miles, guys. Yeah, I remember doing uh, twenty-eight-mile humps right. in the Marine Corps. Right? They were terrible. But while I was in the middle of this suffering, because that, ladies and gentlemen, it was suffering. Believe me, I, I wasn't—I wasn't enjoying it. But what I would do is, I would get lost in thought. And it it would be, I'm going to go into two specific stories. I was in the Marine Corps and I just graduated boot camp and I had to go to MCT, which is Marine Combat Training. And I had bought these brand new ICB boots. Guys, ICB boots, they're uh, they're not recommended that you utilize them on on humps. I had never utilized my ICB ICB boots on a hump. I always use my jungle boots while I was in the marine corps you have to break them in well what what happened was um i utilized my icb boots on the first hump at mct and i forgot how many miles the first hump was on on mct but it was a lot it was a lot longer than than the last hump i had done in marine boot camp a lot longer and uh blisters started started to pop up and to the point where you know you almost want to give up but i put myself in this like a story mode of i delved into my soul and said okay look man whatever it is that you have to do to get yourself through it this is what you're gonna do and this is the story i told myself I imagined my niece, who at the time was probably, I don't know, she was a little girl, man, maybe four or five years old. I imagined that she had been kidnapped and I had her in my rucksack, my Alice pack, and I was carrying her on my back back to her mother and father. You know what I mean? Like I put myself in that mental place that her weight, the weight in my Alice pack was her on my shoulders and i had her get her back to her family i got back my feet were bloody as fuck blisters and the fucking uh the staff sergeant was like why would you do such a stupid thing but <laughs> i brand new icb boots on a, on such a long hump but it's all mental man it's that moment i realized hey man th- th- whatever physical shit that you go through you, you either sing yourself a fucking song or you or you make up this play and you replay it over and over i remember another hump where i was playing um you guys remember first blood so rest us alone at the very end of the of the movie there's a song that comes on it's a long road when you're and i kept repeating those fucking lyrics as i'm doing this hump so it's all mental so I would question, my question to both of you individuals is you have to put yourself out of your body and ignore the pain and just keep pushing. So when you guys are going, when you're at RC, when you're at mile 24, what are you thinking?
1: That's easy for me, man. When, when, the, uh, when the troubles come up, I know the beast is coming. I actually have a name for my beast. When the beast comes, my beast is Banquo. Banco is from an old Macbeth play, and he's the beast of fatigue and frustration. The thing is, when I know he's coming, I make friends with him. You make friends with the beast. So when the beast is there, it's like, I knew you were coming, Banquo, but I ain't fighting you. We're running this together.
0: Oh, oh, oh
1: shit. <laughs> That's a slick strategy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like, uh,
0: I shit. I wish I would have been smart enough. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs>
1: I have multiple beasts, he's just one of them I have Fatigue, I have Odysseus, I have Banquo I have Tecumseh, who was the old uh, Shawnee warrior, United Indian Tribes, that he leads the way and, and it's, it's something I was going to talk about later and I'll let Officer M touch on this, but we share a, a, a Native American Cherokee history, we have that in common that's probably why oh, he's so much of a brother we both actually have, i a member of the Cherokee Nation and, and so is Officer M and we have that Cherokee Native blood in us and I think that's part of a driving force that I use as my Imagination with Tecumseh was not A Cherokee warrior but he was A leader and he tried to combine Multiple tribes together to fight What was going on during that time We're talking the 1800s but he's still known As a great warrior but I use These visions of these things he's leading my race Banco tries to stop me We become friends and we're friends with the beast
0: Wow Brother that's incredible (laughs) And I appreciate you just Gave us a part of who you your inner demon is or how you combat your inner demon like guys i hope you really you realize what the fuck you're listening to this is a you can't get any more truer than to have an individual tell you their specific way of thinking and on how they deal with fatigue and hurt and pain officer m give us your your inner mentality of when the shit is hitting the fan and your moments from quitting what makes you push
2: well as a as a young kid i experienced homelessness so dad went to prison when i was too young to remember him mom was an alcoholic drug addict so i was i feel i was inoculated as far as physical or mental stress you know i had been beat up and all that stuff by mom's boyfriends it's horrific shit i should be dead or in prison but i'm not so i entered the marine corps at 17 with rage already bottled up inside the first time i remember really feeling like pushed to a combination of physical and mental limits was on the graduation hump for SOI, for School of Infantry. So I was a 3 And it's still something I'm most proud of today. So you do 13, 13 or 13 and a half miles out to a live fire exercise in the morning. You do your live fire exercise with a hit and roll, run down the hill, run back up the hill, shooting, hit and roll, hit and roll. And hit and roll is... I'm up, he sees me, I'm down. I'm up, he sees me, I'm down. It's exhausting in itself. That's after the first 13 it's miles. It's like uh,
0: fire team rushes. Right. Yeah.
2: Then you change your socks and you go back the other 13 miles. So you're wearing your pack. And I'm the whole time I'm thinking, you know what? I am indestructible because I've lived through what my short little 17-year-old life has lived through. And I knew very few of these other people had. And they were doing it. They are right alongside me. These Marines or you know, soon-to-be Marines. They're doing it. There's no way I'm not going to do it. And I looked back on that throughout my whole adulthood. I'm almost 50 now. I mean, I was 17 at the time. And I thought, I did that. I did 26 miles in a day with a pack on, and I ran a live fire exercise in the middle of it. I am a bad motherfucker. And yes. I would <laughs> I bring <laughs> yes. it up into my consciousness many times when I would face challenging things in adulthood. I would say, you know what? Think back. You did that and you did it easy. And then you went home and you partied with your girlfriend and did all kinds of crazy shit. You were inexhaustible. I was a I was a maniac. So I, I looked at it like I wasn't as when I felt pain or distress, a combination or mental of it, I actually relished it. I wanted to see where the point is that I would break. It was kind of like when you're younger and you get into a fist fight or you get into a physical confrontation, there's that moment of fear before you throw the first punch Punch, or or they do. But once that first punch is thrown, I would decide to myself, you're going to have to kill me to stop me. And it was a feeling of freedom that I still have it today. If, if I make a decision to do something, I feel like I can't be stopped. So unless you kill me, which that ain't going to hurt anyway. So I don't have that fear of failure. And even if my body stops, that's okay too. I'll get them back tomorrow. Now I've gotten older and smarter. You know, I'm not as self-destructive. But it, it's kind of like I think back, you know, what? What have people, what have humans been able to endure? And this, you know, this modern world, a lot of times I don't feel like it's for me.
0: In my opinion, I feel they're too soft. They're not tempered by sacrifice.
2: And it's like R.C. was saying, gratitude. If you had no legs, how bad would you wish that you did be able to go out on a run and just move or pick up your grandkids i've been sick before i had stage four cancer i survived it and i never had any doubt that i would it was kind of like that whole thing i was describing once you're in a fight you decide you know i'm not stopping until you kill me that's kind of the way i felt and once i did get my health back it's just gratitude to the max every day i feel as gravy and i i'm thankful for having cancer
1: you know it really is an eye-opener that's awesome, man, because it's like, you know, when you're grateful, everything you have is everything you need. You know, it's, it's just right there. I mean, I totally enjoyed it. I don't, are you, I don't want to cut you off on that right here, but man, I totally enjoy these conversations because you're right, it brings up things that I completely forgot about. Like the whole <laughs> story of uh, of Banco and this, and the original idea of making friends with the bees, I was fortunate enough to be tested in Army Ranger School. I earned, an Ar- as a Marine, I, I was Ranger quality. I went to the Army Ranger School. And they always had the Z-Monster. With their, The instructors would bring it up. The Z-Monster. You average... You're talking about a 90-day school. You average two hours sleep a night and, and one box of C-Rats because I'm dating myself with C-Rats at the time is all you got if, if you're lucky enough to get that. But when the Z-Monster came, when you're on patrol 24-7 day and day night, you just made friends with him because you know he's going to attack you. You know he's going to try to get you to go to sleep, but you make friends with him. And their common saying for them was Fido. And to this day, I still use that, which means forget it. Drive on, Ranger. So all... Every time I tell you when I get hardcore, when I did my hikes, when I do my runs, the thing that from 30 years ago stuck in my head is drive on, Ranger, no matter what's going, man, just drive on. It's, we all learn things like this from the military. It's just such a good source hmm. of, of of knowing how to keep going. And I use the same as, as Officer M, as the, uh, my father was no longer with me, but... We ran together when I was young. So I, didn't have, I had an outstanding childhood. I, had, I didn't have any of the, the issues. The, it, was, it was a perfect father as far as I'm concerned, but we ran together a lot. So when I run now, and we've had this conversation together, when we've been on a run is that uh, my father's always with me. Matter of fact, my mantra is uh, I relax my stride with my dad at my side. Yeah, That's so beautiful. He runs wow. with me, and we just cruise, and we run together. When things get tough, I, he's running next to me, and I just relax, and I relax my stride, and he's there running with me.
2: Wow. Yeah, he's Beautiful. mentioned that about the four and a half mile last time we were out running. <laughs> that was right about the time I started to get my runners high. And I was like, Yeah. So it took about four miles till I <laughs> yeah. got high. And you can get high oh, off yeah. of running. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. feel Yeah. Uh, it's like your second win. You wind. can feel good. Yeah. And it's at this age, you know, where I look at most almost fifty year olds and I think, Yeah, yeah I'm still I'm still alive. And not only alive, I could best people who are half my age. This, absolutely. Like you were right. saying earlier, the softies, yeah. this society, they don't know where the food comes from. They don't know how to grow it. They don't they're not, they don't have the gratitude. They expect it to be handed to them. And it's sad because it causes a feeling of insecurity amongst the the people. I don't have that insecurity. Um, I thank the Marine Corps for that. Like I was saying, you know, once you've done certain things physically, like, and there's a lot of people I know who look back on their Marine Corps experience and go, you know what? I went through whatever X, Y, Z while you're in the military. If I can do that, pff, this is nothing. I got this, you know, and that I'm really grateful for,
0: you know, there, there are two things right now I'm trying to hold on to as I'm listening to both you gentlemen, but they're fleeting me, man. As I'm listening to, to your stories, okay one I I want to capture is I I was in the I was in third Marine division to me which is the Okinawa Japan the real Marine Corps this is when this is the 1999 man this is when the internet was really starting to to come out and we see this we see this video you know one marine has internet in his room and he, he's showing us this video of this Russian soldier killing um, I don't know if it was a, a Serb and he's uh he's stabbing him in the neck and he's and you could hear the the soldier choking on his own blood and i remember this particular day it was raining it was on a friday we had just gotten out of work and it that video scared the shit out of me you know because this is like the one of the first i mean when we were growing up we all saw faces of death and all that shit, right you know but this is real this is like this is you know it happened uh around uh president clinton's era where this video had been taped so here i am in okinawa japan and i and i'm seeing this russian soldier and a serb and then uh he's damn near decapitating him and it scared me so fucking much that i i went to my room it was a friday afternoon we had already done work I put my PT gear on. I put my Atlas pack and I went outside and I just picked up rocks and I put them on my Atlas pack and it's fucking raining and I just started running, man. For how long? I don't fucking know. But the whole time in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, hey, if you are ever put in that predicament and you have a chance to escape, run. Run and I'm running like I'm escaping that knife that's about to cut my throat. And I ran for I don't know how fucking long, man. And it's beating down and raining. I didn't give a fuck. Which goes back to, I'd say maybe a week ago where I'm eating lunch and RC comes in and I, hey, what's up, man? I'm eating my chicken soup and, you know, I'm back on my health kick. It's like, man, I'm it's raining, man. I'm like, yeah, it's raining hard. He goes, yeah, fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna run anyways. And I'm like, and I look at him, right? And I, I smirk, because I thought to myself, I understand this motherfucker. Rain ain't gonna fucking stop him. You know what I mean? And it brought me back to that particular moment where I, where I saw that video, and I was like, hey man, rain, is not going to conquer whatever fear that I have right now. What's going to conquer it is me going out there and kicking my own ass, man. You know? And I when, when you said that. I smirked and I, I took another uh, slurp of my soup and I was like, yeah, nothing's gonna stop this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> another thing when it comes to mentality is, uh, and I was talking to, to my buddy, uh, Joe, we did the podcast with him, him and I, we, we both served in Iraq and uh, I was telling him about the fear as a human being, you, come, you become accustomed to your environment and the violence And uh, I was telling him how more so we were both in agreement where I got scared to come back to CONUS. I got I got scared to come back to the continental United States. And I don't know. I I didn't want to leave combat. I don't know if that if, if that resonates with any one of you, but I don't and I don't I didn't know why. And if for any other individual who's a, a civilian would say, well, what the fuck do you mean? You were f- afraid to leave a dangerous spot, but you get your your mentality. You get used to your surroundings and it becomes the normal like the adrenaline rush becomes normal. Then you start to miss it. And then. uh you'll become almost depressed because you've lived your life at such a high moment of man, one step to the left and you're dead. Right. And then anything after that is fucking boring. So you've really lived the most exciting moments of your life in the near death experience. And when it's done, everything else is fucking dull. And I became extremely depressed and i didn't understand why and i think i came to the underst- understanding that i was i was addicted to the adrenaline rush of of violence and um and I've st- i'm still working through it you know it's been like shit 16 17 years man but every anything after that it it, it it everything is fucking dull so when i hear or i see an individual who is in my opinion not in a position to make a change and hasn't gone through that experience, I see right fucking through him, man. You know what I mean? And I say, and I say to myself, dude, you're not fucking worthy, man.
1: Man, I use the analogy all the time. People ask, us, say, because like you, I was over in Afghanistan amongst other places, and they said, aren't, aren't you afraid over there being in Afghanistan? I said, yeah, to a point, but honestly, I'm more afraid of shopping at the local Walmart in town <laughs> <laughs> because you, I don't know what's coming. You know, and over man, there I have all, all my buddies I don't know yeah, how I'm
0: right. gonna react.
1: Right. Over there I got all my gear. Yeah, loaded to the teeth. Right. I got a two forty, I got yeah. a M2, I got a mod Deuce. I got everybody training yeah. with me. We're all in shape. Yeah. When I'm walking through Walmart, I don't know where it's coming from.
0: Yeah, man. I I uh it was probably my second day back. I went to a Best Buy. I'm a huge wrestling fanatic, man, so I collect old school DVDs like NWA and so I was going to Best Buy to buy a fucking, you know, bunch of DVDs. I was I just wanted not to be around a lot of people and I'm in line and uh, apparently the gap was so big that somebody didn't realize that I was in line and he fucking cut me and I'm looking, I remember looking at the back of his head and I'll say, I'm gonna fuck this guy up. (laughs) People, in my opinion, they, they, you know, like they're not, they don't have the gratitude and a lot of times it's not that they don't have the gratitude, it's just they're not aware of the stupid shit that they do and it's easy like their mistakes can trigger you off like so now i close myself off like a lot of people damn fucking this guy man he's fucking abrasive he's an asshole he sticks to us it's not that i'm an asshole it's just i know who i can get along with and the people that i can't why i I don't bother see here's
1: here's a cool thing you didn't even have to explain your actions to us it's been my favorite saying i even have my brother engraved it on a monument for me underneath my flag in my yard and all it says is this it says for those who know no explanation is necessary for those who don't no explanation is possible
0: that's, right. That's, that's been, perfect.
1: I have that engraved in stone underneath my flag that flies both the American flag and the Marine Corps flag. And it's in it's in granite on a stone underneath that, a saying that I learned in the military. Because you can try to, you did not even need to explain that to us. We yeah. already know what you're talking about. Yeah. But to other people, I don't care how many times you try to explain it to them, they're not going to get it.
0: No, they're not going to understand. Right? Yeah. not going to understand. Uh, Officer M, for a moment, you were talking about growing vegetation. To me, I think that's becoming independent. Right. So that's
2: where I've, that's kind of where my path has led me. I experienced those same things you were talking about depression, leaving the action type of thing behind. And I think age has a part in that that makes that a little easier. But I suffered heavy depression when I left my, what do you, you know, that phase of life when you're driving hard and you have that aggression. And it's manifesting in, in different ways. I'm reading an interesting book, by the way, but right now it's called The Chimp Paradox. And he's discussing all these drives that humans have and that are similar to um, chimpanzees, the territorialness, the, the drive to uh, get sex and all these other things. So I leave, you know, I participated in the first Gulf War. I remember the night before the invasion, I'm sitting in a literal fighting hole. We were in a hole in the ground. And I've got my, my partner next to me. He's, he's a little older than me. Like, you know, I'm barely turned 18. He's 23, he's been at EMT before. And he's telling me, you know, we got the word. You know, we're leaving in the morning go across the Saudi berm and mm-hmm. do our thing pa- and, uh,
0: leaving the line of departure
2: yeah the, the ground is shaking yeah. and they're doing the final bombardments and we're thinking oh here we go you know we've heard all about these badass Iraqis or trench fighters whatever it's going to be bloody it's going to be and I'm just chomping at the bit I'm ignorant I'm 18 I'm full of rage i I'm a saw gunner I'm ready to just <laughs> mow down anybody and I want to I I really was programmed pretty easily by the Marine Corps to be a killing machine. Right. I I really wanted to be there, and he started discussing how he's seen mangled bodies as an EMT when he used to go to car accidents. And do I know what it's you it's know quite, what, what we're what facing? Expect. Yeah. And he ended up, by the way, you know, claiming that he had some type of back problem right at the last minute, and he didn't go through with us in the invasion and all this stuff. And then later, as a police officer going out there and you know coming across all the different situations you do as a police officer after years and years of that to just leave it and go on to what what do you do this is like what i've wanted to do since i was a kid i i i thought well i started thinking deeper how does this whole system work it goes back to you know being independent and to be independent, you need food and shelter. Well, I don't want to be somebody's tool. And so my mission shifted from being this warrior who's basically a tool, in my mind. You know, Unless you're fighting for your own backyard and you're defending your house, you can be a warrior, but you're somebody's tool. You're fighting someone else's war. Yeah, yeah, he's not out there with you. He's calling the shots, and you're, you're out there bleeding and dying and killing. For what? It ain't your backyard. I was over in Saudi Arabia. Well, anyway, that's a different story. So, come long story short, started thinking, what's a, what's a war? What's a, what's something I can apply myself to with the intensity that I used to apply towards, you know, being ready or that'll engaging be more, in
0: battle. That'll be more personally beneficial, right? Beneficial. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I started thinking of the food angle, and then I thought, you know, why is it? That people don't have victory gardens. Well, it's just simple plant a seed, it grows food. That right there is independence. Hmm. The, the earth grows food. Then that translates into physical health and all these other things like that. So my, uh, my whole project became um, based on permaculture. And that's, you know, Bill Mollison, a guy who wrote the book on that, is basically a, a method of using nature to produce food in a sustainable way where you don't have to do a bunch of inputs like pesticides and fertilizers and things like that. So I've got this property now that I'm cooperating with other family members. We all ganged up and purchased this property is about an acre and a quarter and I'm prepping it as best I can. That is my, like that's part of my physical fitness today. I'm out there digging swales this morning, digging trenches to harvest rainwater and I love it. It's like that, that thing you were talking about—it's productive,
0: yeah—but
2: it is challenging. It's a challenge, and that's what I think we were all seeking when we stepped on the yellow footprints. We were leaving home. We wanted that adventure. Well, this is my new adventure.
0: And then that's the, how I see it. And then I'm assuming the the physical output of energy that you're having to do to to create this, right? Oh yeah, it's a it's purging. Right. So it's releasing whatever negative energy, whatever built up.
2: Right. I was just telling RC right? the other day, I'm going to dig these swales 0311 style. I get that pickaxe <laughs> and that shovel, and I, and I get into it and I just start ripping at the ground, you know. And after I'm like exhausted, I'm sweating, and I'm just ripping into the ground and then shoveling and then I, you know, get a hold of myself but it exercises the demons. I Guys, tell you, take when, when, a, just dig a hole. Or when you see, or,
0: when you hear Officer M say 0311, that is the military occupational skill of infantry and then when you hear him say he was a saw gunner, a saw is a squad automatic weapon and that fires 5.56. Imagine the saw as being an M16 on steroids. Uh, puts out a much rapid fire rate in, um, uh, so yeah, we're just breaking down acronyms. So if people who are listening, they're like, "What? What is he talking about?"
2: So <laughs> it's a saw, but yeah, you. but
0: but it purges demons, right? It, it takes whatever frustration or whatever bitterness or whatever depression. I, l- listen, guys, that's why I love swimming, man, because I could be in a bad mood or pissy mood, go swimming for an hour, come back, and I'm relaxed. I'm like totally like. And physically, I feel great, man. I'm like, I know I'm exhausted, and I know I just what I just did whooped my ass, but uh, I feel
2: I, I, I feel great. So translating those drives that you had when you're a young man and you were in a combat zone, or you were patrolling some mean streets or whatever, and you're getting dispatched into unknown situations where who knows what's going to happen. That was that was exciting. It was it's what we were there for. We were relishing it in those moments. Well that's how it's it's changed today you know into something productive you get that physical outlet for that drive that you had and there goes the depression mm-hmm. you don't have to be depressed channel the energy into something else that's productive instead of these other drives which you know as a young man you're You're trying to establish some dominance, dominance, whether it's territorial or get sexual partners or things that are very base level and that you are driven by your your biology at a level. Now we're older and now we can know, you know, I don't have to
1: be driven so hard by my biology.
2: Right. Smarter.
1: You know what's really interesting is this is uh, we're Officer M and I are on the same path with the agriculture, but we're not the first ones to come up with this. This goes way back into history, down in the 1700s. There've been movies made about it, where people who were warriors, when they're done with that lifestyle, they turn to farming. Farming. It's been an ongoing. Look at the movie The Patriot. That's what it's all about. When he's away from war, he becomes a farmer. It's such a big deal for, and even the VA currently today recognizes this. They have programs out there to take vet. Because farming is a dying profession, right? The the average, the, the age, we're talking 60 years old plus or the people who are into farming. They recognize that, and they also recognize the military members in their drive. So there is a huge recruitment to turn veterans into farmers. There's a big push by the VA to push programs out there to turn a, a veteran into a farmer. These are the people we need because they would have make the drive sense. similar to us.
0: It would make sense because they, they have the... Like you said, they have the drive, they have the uh, the fortitude to put up with the hardships of yeah. physical labor, uh, but most importantly, it's a purge. Right. So th- more than anything, that's what the veteran is looking for. He's looking for an escape of negative energy release, and if he can find it in that escape, then it's a win-win situation. It's a it's a win for the population and the veteran's family. To produce fresh Produce that's not contaminated With bullshit And then it lets the veteran Purge whatever demons he has Through physical manual labor It's
1: funny I don't know if it's done Been done but I'm sure it can You can document any one of us here From high school athletics To military To moving on to having a desire For the agriculture and work for yourself It's just a cycle we all go through and we all find ourselves longing for that type of challenge and something we want to do. It's it's uh, it's, it's just the way the cycle of life goes.
0: I mean, obviously, you 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 have to have the land for it. I'm assuming RC that you have substantial land where, where you're able to do this as well.
1: It's not huge. We almost have identical properties. Have really, roughly two acres. Wow, but that's all you need. Wow, that's all you need. You so,
0: what are you guys? So, what are you guys planning as far as like you know foods and vegetation? What do you guys produce?
2: Well, I'm focusing mainly on fruit trees and for our area, Southern California is I'm gonna major in Moringa, which is a subtropical and it produces a leaf. That's one of the highest in nutrients of any plant food. Um, The other is a Pakistani mulberry and then different varieties of fig trees which all happen to be drought tolerant trees can survive in our climate and they are all easy to propagate or make more of with cuttings so that's basically my focus I want to grow fruit trees and um, like you were saying earlier you don't need a lot of land, they're microgreens I was just listening to a different podcast last night, the lady was talking about broccoli sprouts are the highest in sulforaphane which is a a nutrient that's been shown to be um, highly antioxidant um, basically can keep you from getting cancer and these are just the broccoli sprouts which people are growing on their kitchen counter so they're growing it themselves you don't need a lot of space to grow a lot of food and that's what I learned um, from permaculture they have vertical grow space in a residential backyard you can do things harvest the rainwater off your roof and channel it into grow beds and there's all kinds of ways where there's a will you can become more self-sufficient and more free and that's kind of where my adventure is leading me i want to be free as possible and not answer to somebody else
1: Yeah, I I think you even mentioned it before. I mean, you've talked about it. You don't want to be somebody's tool. And you're right, man. It's like you can either be a pawn in somebody else's dream or you can make your own deal, man. I'd rather make my own deal. I want to make my own way, count on myself, make my own. I'm I'm done with it. And then I'm to the point where I know amongst us, we all have this military background, law enforcement background. I don't get to the point where somebody wanted to talk tactics, I'm ignorant. I have no idea what you want to talk about. But you want to talk about this nice juicy tomato right? <laughs> or this kale that I have in here? That's what I want to talk about. I'm done with it. It's time to you know, lay down that sword and shield, man. I'm ready to move on with this So I'm done with that.
0: Hey, but it it's got to be something beautiful, man, to create your own produce and watch your family oh, oh eat and the it.
1: big movement right Is yeah you right? have you have your family fruit but you also have the big movement that i like and it's going somewhere right now is is as the farmers like we're talking about we're not competing with the people who are selling their products to walmart and albertsons and things of that nature we're going we're going the, the food to table the people the market for us or even he's he's got the similar ideas with with the fruit trees but also say if you want to grow garden type stuff You get into the market where I'm just providing one or two restaurants, right? And so the people who go to this restaurant can know that this salad I'm eating came out of RC's garden yesterday. Nice. So it's food to table and table to soul. That's the whole market, man. man. Food to table, table to soul. It's locally grown things that we're talking about. You're growing like, like uh, M. has mentioned, the figs. You can't get that mass produced and sent overseas is such a delicate fruit. You produce it here, you provide it locally. Or you do the different you have different ways of marketing. You put it into jams, you put it into jellies, you dry different things, but it's come locally, you're supporting the local, the farmer. local farmer. Even more so for, you know, my, my pitch is, is Native American veterans selling organic, sustainable produce, right? That's, beautiful. that's the market from, from farm to table. Beautiful. That's the idea.
0: That's beautiful, guys. So I I got a buddy of mine by the name of Big Sherm. He's my my big help here on the podcast. He does, you know, all my thumbnails, the artwork, and he disseminates the program. I record it, I edit it, I send it to him, and he carries it off and he creates the touchdown, right? Last time he was here, you know, we were talking about ancestries. And then he goes, Hey man, why don't you do the twenty three and me thing, you know? And I said, I said, How much is that? He's like, That's oh, a it's 150, man. So he's he's sitting there with me. We're watching football. We had just finished a podcast, and I said, "You know what? I'm gonna do that, man." So I I did it, and I ended up getting the results not too long ago, and I I showed them to Officer M. And uh, you know, I'm Salvadorian, man. You know, from born in, in El Salvador, and you know, from Central America. I, the age of three years old, I moved out to New York. That's why I have the accent, you know. But right off the bat, man, it says uh, East Asian and Native American, 45.3. Native American, 42.6. And they say, we predict you had ancestors in El Salvador. And I, you know, they don't ask you where you're from, where you're born. Right. And right off the bat, we predict you have ancestors in El Salvador, Mexico, Honduras, and Nicaragua within the last 200 years. Well, then it goes on to say I'm a 38.4 European, which makes sense because the Spaniards came out. And raped, uh, you know, native Indian. Iberian, which my brother figured out was a, is an island adjacent to Spain. A 1.4 Italian. A zero point Jewish, British and Irish. South African. Nigerian. Sub-Sahara African. East African. And then it goes on to tell you the amount of. The timeline, as far as your generation. So Native American, I'm four to seven generations Native American. I was telling Officer M about this, you know, because he was telling me how both of you guys are from the same tribe. And what what tribe is that? Cherokee. I'm sure you guys have some stories about the Cherokee Nation. Absolutely. You mind going into some of those stories?
1: About the Cherokee Nation A- itself?
0: And, you, you know, your ancestry.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It goes way back for me. I mean, my my mother coming from Oklahoma and a father from uh, Nebraska. My sister still is uh, works with the Cherokee Nation as a Treasury secretary for the Treasury Nation. So she attends. I mean, it's more than just saying I'm associated with this. We're actually involved and participating in the elections and, and, and what the tribe does. We've gone so far as I've met with the Cherokee War Council. And have the uh, Cherokee Warrior Award presented to me and put your name on a plaque in uh, Tahlequah on wow. a brick for being part of the, a member of the Cherokee Nation. Wow. Now, the, uh,
0: that's beautiful, man. Now, your bloodline is it's mixed with Caucasian, correct?
1: It is. And, and it's funny, you mention all these things. And even though I, I do claim this and I know this, but here's the way I, I've always looked at it is like, Yeah, I have the Native American history and you have the things that you said that you have right there, which I don't doubt for a second. What it really comes around to is like, who am I and what do I stand for? I'm a human being. And I just live my life like I think I feel according to me, and that's what I feel everybody should do. I don't disparage anybody else from their religions and their beliefs. I live my life according to the way I want to believe, and I leave other people alone as long as they leave me alone. That's beautiful. You 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 try to do the the thing where you you respect all but grovel to none.
0: Right, that's beautiful. My grandmother passed away several years back, and she was previewed to knowledge that, she was able to pass on to me and my brother where our tribe is pipil with their own language and communication and everything my grandmother was able to sing me this native indian song could sing it to me but couldn't translate the words to me what i thought was was fucking beautiful you know i found it extremely sad that with her passing at least within my family bloodline there went that history of regardless of her not knowing the translation of it the words were still being spoken and with her passing within my family it just disappeared right and i found it very sad and very tragic and it made me want to it it gave me an interest of wanting to learn about my past ancestors and like hey man like you know i know Officer M was, you know, you went back to, and you did some research and you found out that, you know, you had family in New York, correct? Oh, yeah.
2: I was lucky, uh, just pointed towards a website that some other lady, uh, I guess it would be a distant relative, had started compiling all this information and then turned out it covered some of my family and was able to see pictures online of my great great grandfather's face, which was, <laughs> I guess, is kind of lucky i mean it's it's kind of need to and i am a fan of history to be able to look back and see you know the face of you know not many people have seen their great great grandfather's face you know and to actually see his handwriting on some documents and to see the house which is you know it's not there anymore it's a big building that's been transformed in the lower east side of Manhattan, but to see the general area where they would have walked, they would have lived their life. And you. I think people either have an interest in history or they just kind of... Don't care. They don't really... It doesn't really flip their lid. But for me, I just... Everything, as, as even a kid, I was just always engrossed in history. It was my favorite subject and growing up, uh, along with PE. But I could just look at these things and feel like wow that's what he was looking at that's what they were going through
0: knowing who you're not necessarily okay i can't say knowing who your ancestors were did it give you a feeling of understanding yourself a little bit more or where you were going or necessarily of course where you came from yeah but did did, did, did it give you like a like a connectivity.
2: I think that's something that right? in a, in the United States that we have lost. Like we're a nation of immigrants, you know, everybody's from somewhere else and they left that place cuz things weren't so good usually. So they came here and you know, they drove to a new life and they wanted to make things better. That's the connection that we all have as Americans. We're we're here because one of our ancestors or more wanted to come here and make it, make things better they were they weren't just gonna sit there like part of my family's you know irish in descent the other parts cherokee i can look back and think you know it's i could see their reasons for hmm. what they did and and then there's other things uh ethnic quirks like you know, loving the booze and things like that—that that I have seen
0: a play lot out of, in my family. There's a lot of Hispanics you know? that love the booze too. <laughs> you know, so you guys but, aren't the only. Uh, I always think of
1: how how unique is that? We both have an Irish Native American pass. It's like, we both have an Irish Native American pass. I mean, how I mean, how unusual is that for me?
0: I was having a conversation with Officer uh, M a couple, I think maybe a week ago, a buddy of mine, Danny Jimenez. Him, he's, he's Dominican he always had a a Native American Indian with the, you know, the whole headdress on his finger, right? And I was like, I always liked that ring. So for one Christmas, he ends up buying me the a, the same type of ring. And I was like, hey, that was fucking cool, man. So the next following Christmas, I ended up buying him the, the book Trail of Tears, which is the, you know, the massacre by Andrew Jackson that, you know, it depicts a lot of the sacrifices and the injustices that were done to the native americans specifically uh, the cherokee correct correct were you obviously you guys were aware of that whole
1: oh i'm totally story aware. we've right? got history that traces back to relatives who are on the trail he, uh, yeah yeah so I'm, I'm very aware of that story anybody affiliated with the cherokee nation is quite familiar with that story it even goes back you, you talking about the connection the uh oh we like like as a comparison, To today's National Guard, we got relatives A copy of the certificates when they were in the Indian Guard during the Civil War. No and shit, goes all, goes all the way back to where we have that stuff framed and we held on to it, so the uh, the history goes goes way back. But yeah, if you get that's a whole another long chapter and story of the uh, Trail which you're absolutely correct with your talking about Andrew Jackson and the signing away of lands, and the the obviously the whole reason for it was the gold that they found in that type area. There was eastern band of Cherokees that didn't go along that actually fought back because the Cherokee Nation is divided up into different bands.
0: Different uh, tribes, right, right?
1: Correct. Yep. And wow. the, actually, people do not even where There's local chapters here. There's a San Diego chapter of Cherokees. There's Bakersfield. There's many chapters. Cherokee Nation is now huge, and the language still survives. Sequoia, who, that was one of the things. There was five civilized tribes, Cherokee, Choctaw, Chickasha, Seminole, and they tried to agree to what was said. They basically, if you become civilized, and they did, they tried to adopt the Christian religion. They right. created their own language, which the, is what Sequoia the, was. The government, right? Correct. They did everything to adapt and still lost everything.
0: Oh.
1: Yeah, that's why I'm gonna, I was laughing the other day. I, was,
2: I heard, I think it was a quote from might have been Eugene Debs, I can't be completely sure, but he was a labor leader during the nineteen hundred early 1900s. He said, the only American holiday I celebrate is the uh, victory of sitting bull or the U.S. <laughs> cavalry a little bighorn. That's the only American holiday I would ever celebrate. I, mean, I think about the Cherokees and what happened to them. They, they tried to go along to get along. They did all the things. They dressed the, the way they were told and did all the things correctly. And they, they still got told to start walking. Yeah. And they, they walked from screwed. Tennessee, what well, is now Tennessee, all the way to Oklahoma.
1: They walked in the winter. So imagine being a mom with your and kids. And I think people have this wrong image. They have images of uh, Indians being thrown out of their teepees and kicked out the lands was absolutely incorrect. you we are talking about plantation owners. You know, they have mansions that they're busy. You figure you're sitting in your home now, like in a house we're sitting now. And they come here and say, you got 10 minutes to get your stuff. and Get <laughs> out because we want what you have wow. and take a hike. It's essentially in modern terms. That's what yeah. went down. Yeah, and like I said, we're not talking about teepees living off the land. We're talking about mansions Mansons. and people who've changed and, and dressed like the people of the time wanted them to dress and created their own alphabet and their own language. That's what Sequoia. They like,
0: had riches. Thinking. They had savings. It, it was yeah. Yeah, that's it was all taken a, away from them, and such then an people injustice. came in
1: behind them and just took over their houses and took over their belongings. They said, "It's ours now." That's such an and injustice, you know, right? Man. Yeah, it's, it's 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 so crazy. You don't hear too many people that are talking about. There's people, I guarantee you, mention the uh, never even, they never don't even know what the Trail of Tears are about.
0: They're, oh, they have no idea. History is is one of the things that's always spiked up my curiosity. Uh, We were talking with Officer M not too long ago, uh, you know, how the the Native Americans were conquered by the Spaniard. And then Christopher Columbus coming here and, and, you know, they give him a federal holiday where, you know, the guy was a thief. And, uh, you know, all he did was really pass on disease, you know, with the ships that he came with. here, And then we were talking about the first tribe you know, that got conquered were, you know, in Puerto Rico, what was the name of the tribe, uh, officer? Uh,
2: Tainos, Tainos,
0: you know, and then they moved down to the Aztec and then to the Maya. And then they just, they decimated by disease. And, you know, at the time technology, which was, you know, black powder with cannons and, and muskets, and they dominated these rich kingdoms, You know
2: what's crazy? It goes back even further than that. So like I said before, I love history. So I've read about the Roman legions, and I was always fascinated how these guys walked all over Europe because before Rome was the power in Europe, all of Europe was covered with what would be essentially Indo-Europeans. They were living like the Native Americans Hmm. would have lived on this continent. So you had uh visigoths vandals huns celts Sax- br- saxons saxons angles that's the word Anglo saxons mm-hmm. come from Judes. they're living so the spaniard the modern day spaniard is basically a racial mix between a tribe of people called the latins etruscans and the celts hmm. so the roman army leaves northern italy And starts displacing tribes in a similar manner that the U.S. cavalry and the English used to move Native Native Americans out of this continent. So it started way back in Rome. These legions would walk, encounter some barbarians, draw the warriors out into a fight in an open field. Meanwhile, send their cavalry behind the lines, decimate the women Mm. and children and the established living area of these barbarians they would do a skirmish with the barbarians and and not lose many troops.
0: And come back to nothing.
2: And the the barbarian warriors would come back to see their wives killed or raped and their crops burned to the ground. So they slowly moved these Spaniards to the northeast. The first tribe that was removed from Europe was the Celts, who eventually settled in what is now Ireland. And they left from the northwest part of Spain. And so even to this day, there's a place called Galicia in Spain. And that's short for, or a, a version of Gaul, which is what the Romans called the Celts. And so that, that pattern of big empire expanding itself, taking over land or resources, and you think, well, why do they do that? There's one or two or three psychopaths who run that government where enough will never be enough for them. They want empire, power, and dominance over others, and so they push their army. And yeah, the average Roman soldier was, you know, well equipped—a short gladius, a long shield—and he could walk 20 miles a day with his kit. And they just basically walked all over Europe. And get into, they get into—they had a disciplined fighting force. The barbarians would be coming at them naked, unarmed, uh, without armor, and the Romans would follow the commands of of They're sergeants and basically you know defeat them see that's what I
1: find fascinating as well is like uh, like all of us we're probably all of us in the military we enjoy the military history at least want to know where things came from but if you start talking about the nuts and bolts the heart of the matter Look at the topic you brought up how much an effect of a 26 mile ruck march had on you to remember for the rest of your life. These guys did it every day. Every day they're going 25 miles or further with no shoes, poor equipment, living with dysentery because they don't know the things that we know now about their right. personal hygiene and things That's of this right. nature. It's incredible and then, spirit. And, these and guys then must their, have had. their fight was
2: <laughs> stabbing a sharpened tool into the body of another human and right. hacking him until he's dead. So that those guys were warriors. I mean, those when you talk about pulling a trigger to be able to do
0: that flying right. a yeah. drone yeah. Yeah. exactly to be able to do that that's up close and personal man. No food. You're no smelling sleep. you're probably smelling their sweat and their breath oh, yeah. and yeah. their blood. Yeah. It's that up close and personal. So that's man.
2: what being a student of history mm-hmm. helps you with like
0: I think is it, is to deal with the fact of recognize what a real warrior is, and not to say that you have to pay homage to it, but recognize that these guys were really hardened warriors, and and learn know your place, man. You know, a lot of us couldn't do what those
1: guys did. You get a good point. Back to our, uh, cycle back to our running that we were talking about. You, I tell myself. Relax on the path, you connect to your past. You talk about, man, I, I got hydration bottles, I got extra tailwind nutrition, I got nice set of running shoes, you know, these guys are running barefooted Barefoot. with nothing and starving and <laughs> running a lot further than I'm running. You're right. That's amazing.
0: You're right. So it, really what it tells you is they were, not to say that you or you are not, or I am not, but... Mentally, they were much more equipped to deal with the hardships. The, the mind changes because the human being allows the mind to change. I think the mind is able to adapt to anything in the world, to any environment. It's just we've we, we become so comfortable with technologies that now we look at that as old and unnecessary. When in reality, when it comes to comes down to a fight, that's probably going to be your, your best friend man is to become medieval on that ass (laughs) you know what i'm saying that's the truth man but um gentlemen is there anything else that you guys would like to close with before we we end the podcast
2: no i think we pretty much covered the essentials of what we're
0: about i mean Anything you have a R.C. on your end? No,
1: I think we're good. I mean, the old law enforcement thing that always sticks with me is that uh, the saying of no matter where you go, there you are. Therefore, you act like that's the place to be.
0: Yes, sir. I would love to have both of you individuals back, both of you gentlemen back, and specifically talk about history, more so the experiences of of the Cherokee Nation both of you being a uh, Cherokee uh, bloodline I think that would be an interesting podcast and I'd love to have both of you guys back if you guys are willing to do that definitely uh, mm. but I want to give a huge thanks to RC and Officer M for spending time with me and giving such beautiful information a lot of the the, the information that these guys gave today I hope you recognize that it it's, it comes from the heart and the soul they didn't need to to go in and give us such private information. I hope you guys do recognize that. And once again, gentlemen, both of you guys, thank you so much. Uh, once again, listen, Christmas is right around the corner. Uh, so is New Year's. I want to uh, wish and bless you guys a happy New Year's and Merry Christmas. I'm going to take a break because I got to take the wife. We're going to go out on a little vacation. So the chapter of the architect is not going to be out. I'm going to take a little break. Uh, Maybe sometime after the New Year's, we'll be back up and running. But once again, I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you for the support. Everyone who who comments and and listens to the podcast, thank you so much. I love you guys so much. With my homeboy, RC, and of course, Officer Seren, DJ Architect, out. DJ Architect.